you're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I'm here with the Toad Rider himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, how's your week been? Called out of work sick today, so it's oh. always... I mean, it's kind of fun, right? Because I hung out with my dogs all day. Mm-hmm. I uh, recorded some modern content. Because, I don't know, I had this weird thing. I texted my wife very very early in the day. I was just like, half of me really, really, really wants to get up and be productive, and half of me remembers that I'm sick. So I was like, I can sit in a chair and, like, play modern. Yeah. That's just the main thing. Inside of us, there are two wolves. One is hungry. One is, one is so tired. Hopefully you're feeling a little better after a little bit of rest and a little bit of uh, MTGO. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fine now. Um, fever broke. So, you know, just a day-long thing, which last time I had a fever, it was the same thing. It was, like, done by the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. I, I'm always, always afraid of the point, like, of having, like, some, you know, back-breaking fever that you're, like, going to be sick for, like, multiple hours or multiple days. So, like, that's, that's nice. I guess, do you want to just jump into talking about the magic topics of the week? Uh, I mean kind of magic out for the day already so <laughs> hit, hit the hit the quote a little too early yeah but i mean i guess okay. since we're a magic podcast we are okay so obviously we have the bannings and modern um do you want to talk about that first or do you want to talk about a little bit of legacy and then we can finish up talking about modern um either way just start with modern then so if you haven't known, and it actually kind of caught me off guard, I wasn't really expecting any more bans to happen, just in general. I think once we got the uh, most recent set, I was kind of okay with them saying, you know, Ragavan's got to go in Legacy, but Modern's okay, but we'll continue looking at the data. I didn't realize they were going to make another decision that quickly. Um, and we did see some bans in Pioneer, uh, not, well, some bans in, not Pioneer, sorry, uh, Popper. But, well, we did see Pioneer, too. Well, we did see, I guess we did see Pioneer, yeah. They ended up banning Lurith, the innocent, pure Nightmare Kitty, both from Pioneer and from Modern. Uh, which, once again, I was just kind of caught off guard. I didn't really expect anything to change so quickly. Yeah. So, I know we're not a Pioneer podcast, but I'm going to say first, that really caught me off guard. And I'm so glad they did it when they did, because... I was about to buy a Luris deck, um, <laughs> but like that deck is probably unplayable now. So I'm glad I uh, did not spend my money. Yeah, the I just I have other issues with the, with Pioneer. Like not not that I have issues with Pioneer. I think it, it, the format in general is actually re- very good and it feels very balanced. But like I didn't think that Luris needed to, needed to be banned. I don't think it's as powerful as it is in modern but they kind of mentioned that too it's like it's maybe it's not as powerful now but eventually um as it hits that critical mass eventually it'll be as dominant in that format as it you know apparently was in modern so 
I, I guess it's good. I to don't be know proactive. if I like the preemptive ban though. Yeah, I mean, like the, they kind of did the same thing with Birthing Pod, right? Where they looked no, at no Birthing Pod was they they acknowledged like it was only going to get better, but you can't call that a preemptive ban. It was, I mean, it was one of the best decks for, I mean, basically forever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely there since the, the basically the beginning of the format, and it definitely took on different forms throughout its life, but it, it was always really good, so that's probably fair. Um, the one thing that they did say in the announcement, and just to uh, kind of read from this, um, Lyris' play rate, uh, 31% in Magic Online leagues that started with four wins, points to a card that is contributing to a homogenization of the modern play experience. Uh, th there is not a significant enough deck building cost to incorporate it in uh, incorporate it into a wide variety of strategies um it's <laughs> i think it's, i think it's really funny obviously like when you're looking at modern modern and legacy right like there is a big incentive for you to be able to you know double spell relatively early or you have to do something super powerful to kind of make up for that um in modern obviously we've seen people i guess in legacy too just be like you know what i can play bobble I'll just play Mixture with Bobble. Why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? And I, I, I'm glad they kind of acknowledge the fact that, like, you can just play as many one and two drops as you want and, like, go berserk. Lurus just ends up being a good card in a lot of decks that wouldn't, even without Lurus, would just play a bunch of zero, one, and two mana spells. The other thing I thought was kind of fascinating, too, is they actually do, you know, note that it is 31% of Magical Online Leagues that start... Um, Magical Online League decks that start with four wins. I didn't realize that was something they could get data for, like, so specifically. I mean, I think they can get the data for basically anything they want from Magical Online. Mm -hmm. It did feel like a really, really, really random... I don't want to say random. Yeah. I don't know what word I want to use. It's just, like, oddly specific. It doesn't shock me that you get this information, but it's just, like, I want to know what percent of the trophy decks is it. Mm -hmm. Right, like, is that number so much worse than thirty-one percent that you had to give us this number instead? Yeah, that's that is an interesting. Well, the other thing too is like they they use a, a similar statistic in the pioneer data, so I wonder if when you look at modern, if it was you know maybe it was similar to this, it was like thirty-one percent, but if you look at pioneer, it goes from like twenty percent down to like ten percent, and they're like, well, that looks bad. That doesn't really fit our argument, so like they just went with the thirty-one of the twenty, but maybe it is like you know, 40% um, and, you know, 30% or whatever for Pioneer. And, like, they just think that 30, saying 31% enough, 31% uh, is enough to kind of get the point across without, you know, revealing their full hand. It's just, just weird. It is. I'm, uh, I'm going to miss the cat. I am too. Honestly, this was so convoluted, but like, I really, 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 really just wish they had explored options other than banning it. And, you know, I, I mean, I know that they kind of nerfed it, right? Maybe ban it as a companion in modern, right? Mm. Leave it so people can play with it in their decks. I know that's not something people were really doing much of, but like, if I can't play Loris as a companion, I might be interested in playing it just in my deck in modern or pioneer. Mm. Um, you know, we've talked about this before in Modern. The Pioneer deck that I was talking about building, I would 100%, uh, the Red Black Anvil deck, if anyone was curious, but I would 100% just play like two copies of Loris because um, the card was just so good in that deck. And like, I really want to try the card again in Legacy because it's just been banned there since 
before the companion nerf and i think uh i think it would be fine i think there's like valid uh questions of like would you rather have the companion loris or would you rather have murktide regent or also like if you have loris and you can't play with her you can't play with narsa you can't play with the fairy i really just wish that we could explore all these things and i know me wanting that is not going to change anything but it's very frustrating to me that it's just gone mm-hmm. i think it was a very fun card to play with yeah it, i was kind of hoping to be able to play it still in a like heliod shell like a you know, be able to get back my devoted druids or get back, you know, even something like Utopia Sprawl, like I think would be, you know, meaningful. Like there's a lot of things you could get back with Lurith, even not, not as a companion. Um, and I'm actually kind of going a step further. I don't know if this is the kind of right way to approach this too, but like I'm I'm very shocked that they decided Lurith is like not a, is a problem, not okay for the format, but like we're still okay with Urian still being here. Um, obviously, I think Obash to a lower extent and like uh, Yumari um, have seen like a little bit of play. But I think you're, in my mind, if you're going to still want to play a, a companion, uh, really Yurian and Gigantha are really your only options here. And I think the Yurian decks are. I think Obash is definitely more competitive than Gigantha is. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I just think you know, we see. I think we see Gigantha more often than we see Obash. I could be wrong, too, depending on, I guess, the data. I just don't think I've seen a lot of red decks very often recently. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily see Obosh a lot, but, like, the decks that play Obosh actually use Obosh. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, the decks that play Gigantha, so. Yeah, it's, like, hard to... We were, we were kind of chatting about this in, uh, in our group chat, but, like, I feel like if you're a Lurith deck, you, like, love Lurith. Like, Lurith is, like, your boy, but then you end up like playing a Gigantha deck. You're like, I can technically play Gigantha. And it's like, that's not a really rousing endorsement for, for that magic card. But like, it's a free card in the sideboard. So like, I might as well play it. And like, I could play like a second Rust in Peace or something. Or I could play like the first Gigantha. I guess I'll play Gigantha. That's always what I feel like with that card. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've attacked people for five with Gigantha a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, has it won me any games? No. <laughs> no. But I've done it. Yeah. yeah. Did I think it might win me the game? Absolutely. I mean, I lied to myself, but, mm. you know. You know, Lurith comes into play, and, like, you know, if they don't kill it for two or three turns, it just digs you ahead, and eventually you can bury your opponent card advantage. Yorian obviously comes down and, like, draws you four cards and pre- prevents a, or presents a huge body that's hard to get through. And, like... Gigantha's really only good in, like, the deck... I, I want to say, like, the Pioneer deck with um, Jeskai Ascendancy. It's the, the only deck where it's, like, really good in. And otherwise, it's just it's just a 5-5 five, five beater for the most part. Um, I feel like even, like, Obosh comes down and, like, it's at least, like, a like an Anthem effect. Like, that's huge. You end up, like, dying to a bunch of uh, seasoned Pyromancers and, and whatnot, so... Yeah, that card is definitely much more impressive in my, in my mind. Yeah, Olash is terrifying, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's even it's even better now if you you know playing it in a deck with uh, Ragavan, just being able to like get it out onto the battlefield a little bit faster. The last time I really saw Obosh seeing a lot of play was you know, maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where we were still seeing. Was it Musashi? I, I, the names, are, I'm going to feel bad. M. Hayashi. M. Hayashi, yeah. Just like, a bit, basically just jamming uh, mono red decks down people's throats. 
So it's going to be, I think, a little bit better now that we have uh, Ragavan and maybe DRC in the mix. Uh, this is going to be an obvious question, I guess. But, like, who? what's the obvious losers here <laughs> for, for losing Lurith in, in Modern? I mean, the decks that played Lurith. <laughs> yeah, but, like, do you think they're all losing the same amount? Like, there's, there's a lot of different Lurith decks. No, I mean, like... Actually, kind of. <laughs> um, like... I, I don't know. I would say Grixis Shadow probably is going to miss... Grixis Shadow or Hammer is probably the deck that utilized Lurus the best. But I could just be saying that because it's the deck that I'm used to seeing Lurus in the most, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think Lurus actually probably was at its scariest for me personally out of out of Hammer or looping Dress Sounds out of Shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's probably what I would say too. I mean, like, you get so much advantage... Um, being able to, you know, draw a card and turn off a Primeval Titan or a Cultivator Colossus, um, you know, for an opponent's entire turn, which I think is huge. Actually, the the one I always like is being able to turn off a, like, Azusa or something like that during my opponent's turn, where it's like, I really need this effect. I'm like, no, no, you don't. Like, that's really nice. Um, I do feel like if you're talking about decks that are actually being able to put it into play reliably, I think... Shadow was definitely up there. Uh, Hammer is definitely one of those decks that would like to, but like I feel like decks like Mill, it comes up, but it didn't, it didn't come up for me at least playing Mill. It didn't come up for me as often as I would have hoped that I really had the mana or the time to to cast it. Like I think the games where you had the ability to cast, you know, put it into your hand and cast, and you know, really do anything meaningful with it, you're probably going to win anyways if your opponent wasn't doing anything. But I don't know if that's entirely true too. Um, like it, it probably, you know, turns those games that you have like maybe a thirty percent chance to win into like a forty percent chance to win. So it definitely was meaningful. I'm not sure. Like there's a couple decks. I'm not sure if it even helps too much. Decks like like Jun Saga and Burn. I'm not actually sure. Like we're really going to be upset that Lurus is not no longer there. Something that's actually really nice about Burn losing Lurus is we never have to hear the stupid comments about is it correct or not to play Lurus and Burn ever again. Oh Those conversations were amongst the worst in Magic. Yes. <laughs> do I play this really great card in my sideboard or do I not? I mean, like, I play, like, Exquisite Firecraft or, like, no, shut up. Just... <laughs> Burn's not going to miss it as much as I think they need to. I don't think they needed the card anyways. I think it was just a, a good thing for like a removal-heavy metagame. Um, I think Jun Saka, I think, has a pretty decent deck build anyways uh, without playing Lurith. Um, and I think you still play a very similar deck, right? Like, you're still playing um, Ragavan, Ren and Six, Urza Saga. You're still playing, you know, that whole package that goes with Saga. You're still playing... Um, you know, a lot of really damning one and two drops. Like, I, I don't think you need Lurith as much as people think. And, like, I think you can actually start playing, like, if you're playing John in particular, you can start playing um, things like Grist, which I think was a great card that, you know, really wasn't seeing play. I probably still wouldn't play Liliana the Veil, but, like, I guess if you want to, that's a thing you could do. I've been seeing so much hype for those two cards. I just, honestly, I don't really get it. I think Grist is, like, 
a good card, but I don't think it's like absurd. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't think any deck is going to be able to utilize it as well as like Elf uses it in Legacy or Yawgmoth mm-hmm. uses it in Modern. Like, I don't think Jund getting Grist is going to be like this huge upgrade. I don't understand why people think Liliana is playable when we have these super cheap, efficient threats. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't imagine a world where, like, you know, you and I are playing a match and you go turn one Ragavan and then, like, you know, I do whatever I do and then turn two, you, like, attack with my with your Ragavan and get to land, like, a Dragon's Rage channeler. And then I'm just going to be, like, on turn three, Liliana the Veil. Like, is that really going to do anything on this board? Like, absolutely not. It's just so slow. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just not particularly excited about either of those. The three drop that I'm excited to see, uh, well, I'd be more excited if I own copies, uh, <laughs> but Season Pyromancer. Yeah, and, you know, I, I know we're not a finance podcast, but that card jumped up a bunch. I was going to pick up a playset yesterday. I was like, nope, never mind, I'm off it. Um, that makes that, sense. Yeah. It, I mean, like, and that's, that is, like, the nice thing. Like, they, you know, quote-unquote unban of, a bunch of three drops and four drops, like, uh, it, Season Pyromancer did did nothing wrong, right? It just didn't fit in the metagame, and I think that card, people having access to that, I think the same thing with Ranger Captain Vios is another card that I'm I'm a big fan of in, you know, a lot of different decks. That's another card that I think probably should have been seeing more play from the, from the start, but, you know, a lot of the shells that you could play it's not a big enough incentive to not play Lurith, so. Okay, so while we're kind of talking about winners of this, mm-hmm. um, I think the two decks that I personally have picked for being the biggest winners of this are Amulet, um, which it's not really a surprise. Like, we talked about this last week. Uh, Crixus Shadow has been one of the deck's worst matchups for a while now. Mm. And now you don't have to worry about that, which just, it's like a huge relief to the sideboard, right? Like mm. your your toughest matchup is gone. You don't have to dedicate like however many slots to it. Like, again, my last build, I was playing 11 sideboard cards for that matchup. Um, you know, like they were applicable in other spots of too. Of course, like, yeah. I, like, I built my deck with Shadow in mind, but that's something you don't have to worry about now, and now you can just play kind of the more general, good, cohesive package that you really, really want to play. Um, hopefully there's less stress downs around, so like your Cultivator Colossus is get that much better. Uh, but yeah, so Amulet, definitely a big winner. And then Indomitable Creativity is, I think, a big winner too. It's a deck that was putting up Buying numbers like they weren't great they weren't bad quietly top eight like every other event maybe every three events would put something in the top eight but that's a deck that just is i think very good mm-hmm. um but it was you know it while it could beat shadow not the best matchup in the world also like any deck that wasn't alert that kind of gets this buff from just the fact that like when you would sit down for these matches like you would reveal Alorus and then I as your opponent would go okay I need removal in this hand because you're playing a deck with like one drops and whatever and now I don't have that information going into it right so Mm -hmm. I think it's such a small thing but just people not knowing what you're on before the match starts essentially is also a little bit of a buff but I just think um those two decks are going to be 
definitely well positioned moving forward. Actually, the the video I was recording before we started was uh, I was playing creativity. Okay. In the theme vein of creativity, what do you think about Tron? I mean, Tron's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like I, I don't know. I feel so bad uh, when I talk to people about Tron because it's just uh, I don't know, man. Like. I just see games where people like resolve card and then they on turn three and then they lose and it's like your deck did the thing it's supposed to do right like that's like the big play yeah and it didn't work i mean there's there's argument that if the format slows down tron will get better right because Mm -hmm. it kind of punishes slow decks but it just every deck i think has gotten so many tools to deal with tron and tron did not get the tools to keep up um and you really need very specific cards in your Tron deck. So, like, I just don't know that I think the deck will ever be particularly good again. I mean, if artifacts are ever become too popular without being too fast, then the deck gets a little bit better because it is definitely the best card in the great creator show. But, you know, other than that very specific metagame, like, I... I think Tron is the kind of deck that will be good for certain weekends, but it, I don't think it's the kind of deck that you just want to be like, I am a Tron guy, I'm playing this deck just straight in and out. I The only thing I can imagine that kind of works in the deck's favor, though, is that you, you do have something that is relatively consistent, and you know, you're, you're going to have a turn three Karn, or you're going to have a turn three warm coil engine, something like that, you know, assuming you're mulliganing aggressively. And you don't have to worry about just getting, like, one-two punched by a 13-13 shadow with the dress down, right? Like, you can actually play a game where your opponent is going to, you know, maybe play a Tarmogoyf, which obviously threatening, but when you actually do your thing, you're going to be in, in okay shape. Um, that's- yeah, but you have to deal with more than just that, right? Like, you still have, like, yes... Uh, the clocks might be a little bit slower, but they're still going to be backed up by stuff like Alpine Moon and Thoughtseize. And, like, the Seiju is, like, not bad against you. Ottawa is not bad against you. Mm-hmm. Um, Fulminator Mage comes back into the format. <laughs> like, uh, Obsidian Charmon is a card that got printed. Mm-hmm. The card is nonsense. That's so um, <laughs> I just don't understand why it flies. <laughs> I don't either. The whole thing is just kind of, like, a mystery. Like, they're just, like... Hey, but I feel like it was two people who were just like, yo, what if we put this on a card? Yo, what if we put this on a card too? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Um, honestly, I think that card could have, like, that card could be, you know, right now it's a 4-4 flyer. I think it could very easily be a 3-3, not fly, and still see play. And maybe that's wrong, but I just don't think, uh, that's probably wrong. But it doesn't need to be, I don't know, it doesn't need all the stats it has. No, probably not definitely an interesting card the other car or the other deck rather that i think might actually see a little bit of uptick and it's just naturally right like i think if you've already invested in most most of shadow and once again we i think you and i are both kind of in the same um vein i I think shadow takes a kind of a major hit here i I don't think it's dead and we 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 can talk about some decks um, that have been popping up recently right but i do think a lot of the people who have been playing that deck start to go over to other decks that are similar, right? And I think Blue-Red Merktide is probably the most similar deck, uh, at least in spirit, to the Grixis Shadow deck in, in Modern. 
So I do think that as far as people getting eyes on the deck and trying to figure out how the deck works, I, I do think that's a deck that's going to see a lot of activity in the next couple of weeks as people try to, you know, figure out what the next blue deck that they're going to play is. Yeah, I can see people moving to Riptide. I honestly don't think people need to leave Grixis, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those cards are still very good. Um, Party's Axe, who's like a notable grinder, I know, 4 0 to prelim last night playing um, Riptide, Grixis, Death Shadow. And it's basically the same deck that it was. He dropped, um, I shouldn't even remember what he dropped, but he dropped, uh, I know, Trust Downs. He replaced with Kamer and Battle Ring, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure that's correct. Um, but he added Street Race and Merc Tides. It's pretty strange. Yeah, added Street Wraith, uh, Teamer Battle Rage, Merc uh, Tide region. The it's gonna bother me so much because it's very clear. Oh, um, cut he's missing number... Croxa. Yeah, cutting cutting Croxa, cutting Drown the Lock, cutting the main deck dress down. That's right. So, which I, I mean, I think those are all reasonable changes, and I think, you know, being able to add Street Wraith back to the mix makes it a little bit more aggressive with your Dust Shadow, which makes the Dress Down a little bit less needed, at least for the aggro plan of trying to kill your opponent with that. Um, the other thing, too, is, like, the Street Wraith help with, like, your Delirium, because mm-hmm. uh, Dress Down was really good for Delirium, but Street Wraith kind of takes the place of that. Yeah, getting an, another creature. And I've talked about this before, like, you can obviously be aggressive and try to put creature in the graveyard with dragon rage channeler but like do you really want to put your death shadow in the graveyard or like dragon would be really good right now and like the dash would be really nice like maybe i don't want to mill that like there's a lot of it, it takes a lot of discipline to try to mill a creature in a lot of spots with Grixis death shadow so three rates is kind of a no-brainer for a lot of a lot of people um the team of battle rage is just like i love that card so much but like it's kind of medium in this deck i think i think ari said that too like it's not exactly what he probably should have played but went for it anyways but i do like trying out the Merktide regent here just quick looking at the at the deck right there he's playing uh main deck island instead of the main deck swamp you normally skip the mana base still it's 18 lands um how to change some stuff around um double Grave, double steam vents, double or one blood crypt, right? To make the Merchant region actually castable. Double blue is always kind of hard. Uh, I've played Grixis Shadow before where you play like counter spell and it's like actually impossible to cast reliably. So um, in in this build with four shocks that actually pr- um, create blue mana, it's a little bit easier, but um, you kind of are inclined to go turn one blood crypt every game into turn two, you know, continue your land from there. So. Maybe this picks up some steam, especially after it went 4-0 in a, in a prelim. But, you know, it, it is nice to see, like, things like Stubborn Denial actually seeing some play here. And I'm hoping we will see maybe some of the, the previous build of it, right, that was still playing, like, your mag and had Stubborn Denial. I, I just I think Stubborn Denial is actually really solid in this format. I saw somebody playing a Gurmbag Angler today. I think it might have been True Hero. I don't remember. I thought True Hero was a playing like a like a blue black version, just straight blue black. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I love True Hero, man. Classic. Yeah, that's a that's a Twitter or a uh, stream you need to follow if you're not already. If you like anything Death Shadow related, good times. Yeah, so I I think that's 
definitely an interesting build to kind of get started with. I I still don't know how good Street Wraith actually is. I like I feel like if you need to play Street Wraith and the Team or Battle Rage package, you maybe don't want to be doing this. Like I, I think I'd rather if I were going to do this, I would just play instead of Merktide Regent, just play the uh, Scourge of the Skyclave. And but like you're just like asking to get demolished by dress down, but I, I think that's fine if you want to try to take advantage of Team or Battle Rage. Yeah, maybe it's just that I haven't played Shadow and Aegis because like I haven't played Shadows since before Modern Horizons came out. Okay. But I just remember like it has been a long time, but I, I just remember Street Rave plus Mistress Bomb being so powerful together mm-hmm. it's just like making me sad to hear people say they don't know if street race is good enough anymore it just doesn't it doesn't do anything <laughs> like... no, it does so much you have so much information you get to feel so smart so clever you get to draw the card you want or not draw the card you don't want it's it's perfect billy you're just a hater I, oh absolutely yeah but <laughs> that's besides the point like i i think you're in I think you just need more payoffs for it. Like, Street Wraith, unless you are planning on trying to kill your opponent with Shadow, like, you... I don't know. It's, it's hard to cast, right? Five mana does come up occasionally. You're not trying to cast it ever. Oh, you're not trying to, but, like, there's also situations where you're at, like, five life and you you think your opponent has Lightning Bolt and you just can't ever cycle it. You cycle it anyways. No fear. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to get lunch quickly, right? Like... I've actually killed a number of people with hardcast free race, so maybe I shouldn't even say you're not trying to do it. No, yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. It's a three four body that blocks really well. Oh, it's, it's bad. <laughs> well, like if if the worst thing is like eventually this is, it's going to be an unblockable three four in some matchups. Like I'm I'm okay with that. Like I I don't think swamp is like as uncommon as I think people give it credit for. You can definitely get in some situations like you know your opponent might have like a dryad and you know give you a swamp out of titan. Like, it does come up a decent amount, so it's not the worst thing. It's just the the floor is so low, um, not to mention, like, you know, the, the matchups were, like, you know, not the humans is really popping up too often. I mean, it did actually, I think our friend um, Kellen actually did go 3-1 in uh, the same prelim with a humans build, but, like, there's a lot of situations where, like, street rate cycling is it's just really not even worth the extra card. Like you rather just keep it in your hand and you know, quiet, quietly curse to yourself that you have it in your in your deck at all. But I I don't know. I I think it's better when you have more payoffs and you you really don't have that many payoffs in this deck. Like the, the other upside is you get to cycle it into free card for Murktide Regent, which is something. So it's kind of like a a Phyrexian Lotus Petal for Murktide yeah. Regent. Like, the awkward thing about the Street Wraith Murktide is, like, we cut uh, Kroxos for Murktide, and Street Wraith is better with Kroxos than Murktide. Yeah. You could just not play Murktide region, or maybe trim on that number and add Kroxos back in the deck. I don't, I don't think that's embarrassing. Anyway, so we've talked about things that Grits of Shadow could do without Loris, so I think, I feel like we could at least touch on, um, well... I was going to say we should probably talk about things Hammer can do, but before we move on, I also want to mention um, Aspiring Spike has also talked about maybe Mardu Shadow coming back, which is horrifying to me because I hate that deck. Um, 
And he actually 5-0'd playing an Obosh version, um, which is just horrifying. And for those who don't remember when Marty Shadow was around before, you get to play Ranger Captain of Eos with Unearth. And now uh, your Ranger Captain can find you Giver of Runes, Death Shadow, and Ragavan, which are all very good cards. Before, you used to find Hex Parasite sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could still play that. Ranger Captain of Eos uh, coming back with an Earth every turn is like terrifying. Um, Season Pyromancer slots right in. The Street Race. You know, Street Race in this deck is actually better because if you need to, you can just discard it to Season Pyromancer. So this is actually all upside at this point. Yeah, I like this deck too. I mean, just once again, Ranger Captain of Eos, I think it's one of those cards that like is surprisingly effective in some matchups. And, you know, obviously like being able to make sure your opponent can't cast Scapeshift, not as relevant as it was before, but like not being able to cast like Supreme Verdict does come up, not having to worry about your opponent casting um, like Ad Nauseam, uh, which I think is a deck that also went um, 4-0 in the prelim like there are a lot of situations and nauseum's an instant they're gonna cast it sure but like but then they're gonna die they're gonna die yeah so like (laughs) that's fine um i mean i've I've used it before where like i'm just like during like during your upkeep i'm gonna do this and you know if you have it you have it but like you have one card in hand so like what what could it be like it's it's really easy to put your opponent in a bad situation with ranger captain and by the fact the fact it also gives you like you know more death shadows to kill your opponent with that always helps. So. Okay, but moving off this things, uh, you know, we've we've talked enough about what Grixis Shadow can do to attack. Do you want to talk, talk about what Hammer can do? Yeah, uh, people have been really high on Blue for the Reality Chip, mm-hmm. which uh, you know that card's very good <laughs> when oh, yeah. it hits play. With you already being in Blue. There's like some interesting options, right? Like you could play Teferi if you wanted to. I don't know if you actually do or not. And it feels kind of weird to mention Teferi for like kind of almost an aggro deck, but it really means you just don't have to worry about your opponent's removal, right? Like you don't have to figure out the tricky, like, do they have solitude? Like, can I play around solitude here? How do I play around it? Do I need to play around fatal push? It's like you untapped, so they're dead. Yeah. Uh, so that's really nice. You also get to play with Nettlesis, which, I mean, some people played without Lurus already, so they could play with, like, Nettlesis or Calder Complete. So that's really interesting. I love seeing that. Yeah, like, I think that's a reasonable thing. I think Nettlesis is one of those cards that is just, like, so backbreaking. <laughs> um, just being able to, like, you know, put on put in on an Ornithopter and just, like, go to town. Uh, and I think people kind of underrate that. And, like, even a Thought Monitor, right? Just, it's another flyer. It's hard to, hard to kill. Um, the other one, too, and this is kind of inspired, um, Toomake is currently streaming with a, it, it's not, it is not, a re, it's a reality ship deck, but it's not um, Hammer. But, like, you know, if you actually are playing blue, it does give you access to some really powerful, you know, permanents that we don't see a lot of. Like, Ashiok is definitely one, another one. Um, no, 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 we don't talk about Ashiok. I thought we didn't talk about Bruno. No, no, neither. <laughs> um, 
But, I mean, like, you know, Ashiok definitely won. Narset's another one, too, you could have access to if you really wanted to. Um, so, I, there's definitely are some more things that, like, may be kind of hiding behind the curtain. And that's another thing, too, like, kind of talked about, you know, why he doesn't... Once again, this is a, a chat from our... Or a conversation from our group chat. It's like, why don't more decks play Gigantha? It's like, well, the second you announce I have Gigantha, you're just saying, I do not have Endurance. Um, I don't have, you know and on Fury, right? There's a lot of downside to not having that in just in terms of information. There's a lot of, like, really problematic three-drops that, like, you just can't play in decks, like, if by having Luris, like, um, you know, Blood Moon's another one, too, that, like, you know, I can't have Luris and Blood Moon in my deck, so if they reveal that, I know they don't have Blood Moon. One less thing to worry about. Cool. And, like, they probably have Alpine Moon or something like that. Um... But there are a lot of, like, three-mana sideboard cards that are getting unlocked here, too. I wonder. I also wonder if you would see, like, more, like, Karn kind of stuff. Like, if, especially talking about Hammer. Like, you could get, like, start playing, like, a sideboard. Not Karn the Great Creator, but um, Karn uh, Cyanoversa. Like, that could be another thing to against control decks. Underplayed card. Underplayed card. For sure. I, I don't know. I don't know that they want to go there. I can see Urzadex playing that, um, mm-hmm. but you know maybe Hammerwood. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I've always liked that card. That's that's one of those cards I think that scaled really well from standard all the way up. Just solid card. I'm I'm really interested though. This is this is a really interesting ban. And once again, the timing of it kind of caught me off guard. So I I've been thinking about it the past. You know. 20, 30 hours, right? But, like, it's just really interesting. I, I'm interested to see kind of what the ramifications are of Alluris Band. It's just, I think the format hopefully opens up a little bit and people are going to hopefully have a little bit more fun with it. I know people have been hoping to get the format changed a little bit and I think this pushes it in the direction people were kind of hoping for. We, we still got Ragavan, we still have Yorian... I think this will be good. I'm optimistic. Let's talk about Legacy then. Uh, just because I we did have that Legacy Showcase Challenge this weekend and a lot of cool decks coming out of that. Um, congratulations to... Uh, to JJM. <laughs> Interesting name. Promids Knight. Oh man, these names are brutal. I Be True. Clockwork Dean. Hey, Nong Man, Hip, High People, 351, Juju Bean, 2004, and Hi Bing. Um, for all making top eight here, we end up getting one copy of Eight Cast, two copies of Lands, uh, three copies of Blue Red Delver, uh, and one copy of Hogak, and one copy of Esper Vile. So, kind of an interesting top eight. I'm, like, I'm not surprised by the numerous copies of Blue Red Delver. Or lands, but it's it's cool to see a copy of a cast, which has been kind of like the, uh, I think the newest, you know, top tier option in Legacy right now. It's cool to see Esper Vile and Hogak making an appearance, making sure people know they're still around. Um, I do think it's worth noting that one of these lands deck is the eight month variant. Oh. Uh, one in fourth place is not traditional lands. Also, it's worth noting the Esper Vile deck has red in it, um, which makes me very angry. 
I already feel like Esper Vile has trash mana, and <laughs> having read to it is just, you know, I we try to say nice things about people's decks, but I just, I don't know, I can't see it. I can't do it. Esper Vile. Okay, so like, the main deck looks pretty pretty straightforward as far as Esper Vile decks are concerned. I know that means basically nothing, but yeah, I mean the main deck is like stock Esper Vile main deck as far as like there is a stock for yeah. Esper Vile. Like, they're playing Inventive Iteration, a Saga from Neon Dynasty. They're also playing three copies of Pro- Prophetic Prism. This deck is always so wild every time I see it. It's crazy. But yeah, they're playing Pyroblast, Red Elemental Blast, Hammer Mage. I, I don't know what that is. Oh, Hammer Mage apparently is a Meltdown on a stick. That's cool. Did not know that card existed. So if you're... <laughs> If we uh, if you run out of uh, meltdown, you can just apparently get a hammer mage and just melt down your opponent every turn for the rest of the game. Did not know that gives it. That's that's sweet. Um, but it also plays uh, head head. Oh, I can't pronounce this name ever. Head head debt Zugu uh, consumes all, uh, which has been making a lot of waves in, in legacy as well. Um, and then a copy of Mac at the Moon. So yeah, that Red Splash is pretty heavy. Yeah, and it's all off of one vol- one Volcanic Island in a Plateau, plus the Prophetic Prisms. Actually, so I mean, I guess that's, you know, not much more than... It's about the same amount that Green-White Depths uses to Splash. Mm-hmm. The mana base in this deck is already so rough, I feel like. Right, like, you just have to have so many different colors, just, like, at the exact right moments, like... Because your color requirements are high between things like Baleful Strix and, like, you know, you need blue-black, but then you have Skyclave Apparition where you need double white. Um, and yet this deck finds room for a Wasteland. Like, I just... <laughs> it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah. I, it doesn't make any sense. And playing Blood Moon in your... Or, well, Magus of the Moon in your four-color mana base, but having two copies of Atawara instead of just more islands (laughs) yeah that's greedy i mean like i clearly just don't get it right because this player you know they did well and worked for them these events are hard they top aided and i didn't so like i don't want to compare like i don't want to try to tear down their list Mm -hmm. Um, plus you know i don't know if they listen or not but nobody wants to like listen to somebody talk bad about them but i i just these lists don't make sense to me Uh, the mana base is just like the greediest thing in the world but i don't know it seems to work for people mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's just a, it's a tough deck i mean like I, I think there's a lot of situations where it doesn't look the mana should work but like i i've played against people on this deck and they they have the basic island into the scrubland and they're able to cast their meddling mage on two mm-hmm. and it's just like i don't know how this is working but like i'm dying so like i guess that's fine yeah, I'll be honest. More often than not, when I play against this deck, their mana looks terrible, and then they lose. And I often think to myself, "I wonder how many uncastable spells they had." Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I do lose to, to the deck too. But most of the games that I feel like I win against this deck aren't even like, "Oh, I outplayed my opponent" or whatever. It's just, "Oh, they couldn't cast their spells because their mana base looks like this, and I could cast my spells." That's the story. Yeah, this is this is definitely am I like the best? This I'm gonna say this really weird. This is the deck that 
utilizes Aether Vial the best. Because otherwise, like, I think the games with Aether Vial is so much better than the games without Aether Vial. Because, just because of the mana alone. Yeah, Aether Vial is absurd in this deck. Plus, there's just a lot of card advantage. There right? Is. So, like, um, you know, you think of Recruiter Chains and Death and Taxes, but I feel like this deck kind of gets to, like, Recruiter Chains on crack. Mm-hmm. Like, it just goes hard with card advantage when the engine gets going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just being like, like recruiter into charming prince, and then recruiter again, and go get your fibble tip, which draws you two cards, which gets you another recruiter, which gets you your soul hoarder, uh, or soul herder, like blah blah blah, growth. Um, going back, uh, just because you mentioned it, the uh, clockwork dean, uh, which is a sweet name. Um, yeah, playing this, eight, you're calling it eight mulch. Yes. So it actually, it's playing four copies of mulch. You know, legacy staple. Um, if you don't remember that one, uh, reveal the top four, uh, put all lands into your hand, the rest into your graveyard. Um, it's also playing Winding Way, which is essentially mulches five through eight. Uh, choose land or creature, reveal the top four cards, put all cards in, in the chosen type, reveal it into your hand, the rest into your graveyard. I guess Winding Way is actually the better mulch. Um, it's the same thing in this deck. Yeah, because you're not... There's ever, no creatures. There's no creatures, yeah. So... Um, but it's, it seems like a cool deck, right? You're playing Mana Bond and Exploration, 36 lands, which always seems sweet. Um, Life of the Loam, and you're just able to do a lot of really powerful stuff between, you know, your Pazajus and Hall of Generosities. Um, playing another Atawara, uh, Soaring City in here, too. Uh, Rearside of Reliquary is another card I, I've seen a lot that I'm surprised at seeing as much play as it has. Um, I mean, you... it's not really seeing much legacy play. It sees playing exactly this deck. Uh, I've seen it in this deck. I actually did see it in Modern, too. I, I... Really? I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen it in Modern yet. I've seen it in Pioneer. Okay. I've played it in Pioneer. Okay. Uh, uh, but I mean, just being able to... I mean, it's kind of like a Horizon Canopy, almost. Except sometimes it's... Get to draw two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this deck's sweet. I was playing with it right before we started. Um, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen it, the big differences between this list and normal lands are like you get to play four mana bonds, so you really get to go kind of all in. You don't have any creatures, like we said, so no endurances, no elvish reclaimers. Um, but this version kind of is less reliant on the graveyard. Um, there's no crop rotation, so you don't have like the Thespian Sage Merit Lage kills, but you just are kind of all in on field of the dead. And, you know, you can win through, like, recurring Urza Sagas, too. Like, that's a very strong backup plan. But, like, the main main objective is just, like, dump a bunch of lands into play and get field going kind of as soon as possible. And the deck is, like, oddly good at doing that. Um, the league I've been playing has just been, like, it's been actually nuts to me. Uh, you do kind of have to mulligan somewhat aggressively, but it's been doing some powerful things. Like, I had a game where I was, it was like turn three and I made five zombies. It was just like, what do you do against this? <laughs> and I'm guaranteed to be able to make, uh, I was, it was against eight cast and I was like, I'm guaranteed to be able to make two more zombies each turn and blow up one of your artifacts. Pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, this definitely seems like a, I mean, I guess if you're into land, uh, playing land-based strategies, this is definitely a, a deck that should be on your radar. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. 
And this build only definitely has... definitely better than I think it looks on the surface. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... It looks... And once again, I think this is my personal inexperience with land decks. Like, it just looks like you're just jamming a bunch of stuff together, like, with, like, the tape that is Mana Bond and Exploration. Which... I mean, you are, but those cards are very powerful. <laughs> They're very powerful, so it's fine. Also, if you are, you know, a legacy player who only has one Mox Diamond, I don't know, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's one out there who's a recent guest. Um, you, it, the deck only plays one Mox Diamond, too, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, it has the Tabernacle, but honestly, the Tabernacle is, like, I think super optional in this deck. Um, it has come up for me in this league, but since there's no crop rotations, like, I mean, you can find it with Expedition Map, but... So I don't, I guess I shouldn't call it completely optional, but it's more optional than it is in traditional lands. Okay. Cool. So I think the... you could get away without playing it, and it wouldn't be embarrassing. Okay. Yeah, so this, I mean, I'm not going to try this personally, but I, w I would definitely like to, like to watch your league if you're, uh, you know, recording it and going to put it on YouTube or something. Yeah, it seems unlikely, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> That's fair. Looking around, because um, I, I wanted to look at the the ACAF list too, just while we're while we're here, like, um, and I, I I know it's a little less important here because I mean, ever makes top eight. Like the the goal here is to make top eight, right? Like, is there a price distinction between first and eighth here? I mean, there is, but like I don't know what it is. It it's the normal challenge prize support, except the big difference is right. Everyone everybody qualifies for. Um, the showcase qualifier okay so essentially there's i mean like again there is a difference like first i think you get like i think when you win a challenge you get a foil copy of whatever the set is mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't remember what else so okay so, so there are some differences here but like you know i so it's i feel like a cast winning is, is kind of nice um just because this is the cap and uh, cannoneer um, addition to eight cast is one of those things that people have been talking about a lot, and, and we obviously have seen the price of it come down slightly, slightly, um, as it's gotten introduced into more um, boosters, which is great. But it, it's good that it actually won the event. Like, it actually is kind of putting up some results to go with all the hype. Yeah, I mean, the deck is scary. Um, turns out the turtle is good. Do you like the Nick four, four is a lot? <laughs> yeah, well, five five right comes into play as a five five for some reason. So uh, you see, it's because it has this ability that when it <laughs> enters triggers, and then you put a plus one plus one counter, and it's naturally a four four. Yeah, so that's true. That's true. As a math teacher, you probably know four four plus one equals five. Oh, that makes sense. okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, that uh, it's. I'm glad that that is at least seeing something. Um, hopefully, it continues to put up some results. Not too many results though, because you know I've got to, I got to still provide for my family with blue red Delver. So, yeah. The other thing that's notable about this topic is uh, Matt Brown, who came in second. He won two challenges, I think, over the past three weeks, mm -hmm. and then uh, came in second in this one. The dude is on a tear. Yeah, that's insane. That is a really solid results. I mean, we obviously know it's hard. We've seen some people put up really solid results in, in challenges and high, 
high competition events, but like you know, I think the most recent one that we saw was really um, Soulstrong, you know, p- putting it down in in modern for like, like a month straight, which was insane. It it's just hard to put up results like that, though. So uh, good on yeah. that. I personally, uh, I finished six two in this event. If anyone was curious, played good old green white depths flashing red. Deck was very good. Um, I actually lost to the Hogak player who top aided, and I don't remember what my other loss even was. Oh, Bant. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. Um, was it... There you go. Um, did everything kind of go according to plan, or just like... like I mean, 6 2 I mean, is a pretty solid result. Obviously, you were playing on top eighty, I'm sure, but like... Losing is definitely not according to plan. Um, you know, losing to Hogak was somewhat frustrating because I, I really do think that's a good matchup and I felt like I did not draw well and my opponent did. I like I hate being the guy who says that, right? But like I mean, you you've played that matchup before. We've played that matchup before. Yeah, it's not great. I'm, I'm favored <laughs> basically like if you don't resolve uh an alter of dementia, I basically never lose that. Match. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you put Alter of Dimension in your deck as a four, so you can draw it, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it was like my opponent would have one draw step, and they would draw it. Um, or that happened in game one, I think. And then game two, it was like I had a three-turn window where it's like if I draw a land, I win. And I didn't draw a land in my 28-land deck. It's just like, okay, well, this is not the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, I mean, my opponent played well too so like you know kudos to them um losing to bant also felt kind of bad uh again i feel like i drew kind of poorly um like i didn't see my red blast in game two at all which was frustrating i didn't see the paradox zone yeah just didn't really go the way i would have liked it to i also um got like blown out by dress down which we already know dress down is a card that makes me very angry in general yeah. so getting blown out by it sucks and then also my opponent won the match two out so it's like not particularly close but they won it with like one minute left on the clock and i had like two Ugh, minutes left sure. so that, <laughs> that was also just really frustrating because it was even just like even if i just draw a red blast or whatever it's like i'm not winning this like i wouldn't win this game necessarily but I could at least stall it out so that I win to my opponent clock, like, yeah. timing out, which is not how I like to win, but in a premier event like this, you know, I'll take it if that's what it is, especially, like, you know, my opponent played super, super, super slow. Honestly, if I was the kind of person who, you know, even though I'll take wins like that, I don't necessarily seek them out, but if I'd done, like, priority games, I think I would have won. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, that's no fun for me. No, so. yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, but other than that, I mean, they went like I wanted to. I played against three combo decks in a row and beat them all. I think 2 yeah. all of them, which was like kind of <laughs> unexpected, but certainly nice. Like I played against Reanimator and 2 0 it. I played against Sneak and Show and got it 2-0. And then I played against uh, Ruby Storm and got that one in three. Your opponent My opponent was streaming. I know you saw game three. We did. Yeah. <laughs> just played a turn one collector and <laughs> <laughs> it just attacks 
for 10 turns. Yeah, I mean, because I was watching his hand, I was like, oh man, you have like no chance here. And you're like, turn one, <laughs> turn one, oof. I was like, oh god. Oh, okay. Well, if he draws a land, you're dead. And he's like, proceeds to never draw a red sword. So I was like, ah, real unfortunate. Uh, did, you get, <laughs> did, you, did you go back and watch the match? I did not. I had no clue what his hand was. So his hand was like double echo, or one echo, he drew a second one later. He had the LED, had, like, I think it had a pedal, had, um, drew the Bergy on the first draw step, drew the, uh, the red ritual that, um, looks at mana, or copies in the graveyard. Uh, Bonus round? No, no. Uh, Pace one, one red, add two red. Uh, plus oh, Red of Flame. Red of Flame, yeah. So I had right, like one Red of Flame and drew the second one. So literally just had multiple turns where if they just draw a red source of any flavor, design, whatever, they, they just win. And he's like, okay, I need a red source right now. Draw the petal. <sighs> okay, that's not what I meant. Um, okay, need a red source right now. Drew a, uh, what's it, a Mox, you know, Mox Opal. I'm like, this is just like, hard to watch and just like kept drawing mox opals and like leds and stuff like that and like just never never came but i think even up up, up until the last turn had he just drawn a mountain you're just like dead i don't know what was in your hand too so the funny thing is my hand was also like i was also not doing anything (laughs) no the mox diamond was my only green source (laughs) and i drew like wasteland uh thespian sage thespian sage's lands and i was just like this Sucks, but also I'm winning. <laughs> You're winning by a long shot. <laughs> so it was it was definitely like I mean once again I'm I'm obviously rooting for you, but like watching his side was really heartbreaking. Um, and he like ended up playing the rest of the rest of the event too, and watching which was cool. Um, like went absolutely berserk on the next person, so it was for the viewer and me it was very entertaining. But yeah, definitely definitely hard to watch. And yeah, so I beat those three combo decks, and then I beat uh, two blue red Delver opponents and a Death and Taxes opponent. Okay. So that all sounds right to me. Again, a lot of green white Depths players say that the Death and Taxes matchup is hard, and I don't think that, like, I mean, I think it's difficult to play, but I definitely think we're favored. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it's funny because I think uh, the way our hands lined up, um, I really feel like my opponent should have actually won our Death and Taxes matchup. Uh, I don't want to sound mean. I think they might not have been the most experienced player. They they just made some plays where I was like, and granted, I'm pretty bad at death and taxes, but like they made some plays where I was like, I don't think this could be right. And just like had some weird timing things. Like I think if we could play that, like if I could go back in time and draw the same cards in the same order and like have their deck in the same order, but hand it to like, Lunel or like XJ, like I think I would have gotten rolled. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just, yeah, it's not the way it went. Um, and then, yeah, Blue Red Delver, I feel quite favored. So I, I'm still on the board uh, on board for you having like a, a money match with like XJ. I think that'd be be entertaining. Or maybe like um, Jason Murray. I mean, you could also, also just like play normal matches and like, you know stream it like that'd still be entertaining but i mean maybe at some point i i don't know <laughs> i'm lazy that's fair 
I uh, yeah, I don't think I've played the matchup versus Akshay. I've uh, I've definitely played against Ludo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I've, I I don't know. I don't think I've played either of them online at all. In Legacy, to be fair, like most of my matches are in in modern over over Legacy, but I have played a decent amount. I haven't played against either of them though. Obviously, there's there's some other challenges this weekend too. Any, are there any, anything else you want to talk about as far as legacy decks are concerned? As much as I want to go eat my dinner, it would be hard not to mention the fact that Zoo top aided on Saturday. Yeah, that is like I don't know what year it is, but I'm really happy that that it happened. Uh, that was like definitely one of the things that like looking around, it is theoretically a choice that people could make. But I didn't realize that people would decide to make that choice. Like that, I didn't think people would choose violence. Um, I mean, yeah, I haven't had the chance to play with this list yet, but some of it actually does make a good amount of sense, right? Like Esper Sentinel is just a good card. Good card yeah. um, I can see Eidolon being good. Like, imagine being on eight cast and your opponent resolves an Eidolon. Like, that can't feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Thali is always fine. Yeah, Thali is good. You have good removal that deals with like. Uh, I almost said Bragavans, but I forgot that that card's gone. Um, (laughs) You know, your removal lines up well against like Delver of Secrets and Dragon's Rage Channeler. And, you know, even against the Depth deck, like you have your swords and your endings to deal with Elvish Reclaimers. I don't know how you beat combo decks. And, you know, I believe that this player got demolished by Sneak and Show in the top eight. So, like, that makes sense. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy. Um, also, it's nice looking at this deck and realizing I own most of these cards because can just play it at FNM or something I don't care about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just, I don't, some of the choices don't quite make sense to me though. Like, like I understand Prismatic Ending, I understand Lightning Bolt, Swords is fine, like I get that too. But like, the Once Upon a Times don't feel great to me. Yeah, I, I 100% think you're supposed to play Once Upon a Time. Really? I think you really, really, really want to have Thalia as soon as possible. So I, I think it's good. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll take your word for it. It feels bad. Like, in my thing is, if you're going to play Once Upon a Time, then I feel like you also are kind of incentivized to play removal that can get found by Once Upon a Time. So, like... You have Bone Crusher Giant. You do have Bone Crusher. I like Bone Crusher Giant. Um, but I, I would like to see something like uh, Foundation Breaker that, or Ingot Shrewer on the sideboard as well. Just kind of go all in I mean, on that. I don't think you're... I don't think Foundation Breaker is what you would want to see. Uh, Kataki is a banger. Kataki is mm-hmm. really, really good. So I, I think it's fine having that. Um, it does make me a little bit sad not to see an Outland Liberator, especially because mm-hmm. it works well with the aggressive land of the deck. For sure. But yeah, really excited about this. Um, and I know uh, Matthew Vuk uh, went like 4-1 in the league, making slight changes to this list. Okay. Um, so the deck is uh, playable. <laughs> <laughs> good I, endorsement. Look, man, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call it good before we know that's true. Would I like it to be good? Absolutely. So if you want to play a deck that taps cards and plays spells, <laughs> we've got the deck for you. Yeah, Look, it, it has to I be... don't want to lie to our listeners. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, it's the best deck in the format. Yeah. Like, it has to be at least fine. Like, once again, I, I think 
it's hard to have a deck that's playing the card advantage from Esper Sentinel and can be aggressive with Goblin Guide while in the cattle. That it, it can't be that terrible, but like I also like I can imagine this deck like end up like stealing games from something like Blue Red Delver, but then just like getting brick walled by like Knight of the Reliquary and just like being unable to win. Well, do you remember when there was the Landfall Z deck that popped up uh, a couple months ago? It was Steplinks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that deck was, like, nuts. And, like, just nobody picked it up. So, like, I could definitely believe there's room for, like, an aggro deck in the format. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. say this deck looks less fun than that deck was. That deck was a ball of fun. I should play another league with it. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone might be mad at me, um, but, like... I feel like if you're just going to do this, like, you might as well just play, like, Legacy Humans or just, like, just play Goblins or something like that, like... Different decks. Completely different feels. Yeah. But they're... I'm not opposed to playing those decks. Mm -hmm. I just don't think they're the same. Yeah. And I guess this is kind of unique in the way it's trying to, like, attack people, but, like, I just... I just feel like there has to be a better version of this deck. I, I don't know what it is, but, like, it just doesn't feel like it's as powerful as you could get um playing Nadia I mean at least maybe maybe that's kind of the restriction here but I don't know maybe, maybe I mean I'm playing a pretty powerful Nadia deck right now you are yeah I mean like that's that, that's I think very very clearly better than this I don't know if you how do you keep like the the, the core of this deck that makes it more powerful like I don't know what the obvious inclusions or changes would be like you know maybe the sword becomes like path exile or something like that instead but like i don't know how meaningful that is i don't know i think you're hating on the deck too much i probably am i i mean honestly uh, it, it honestly might be you know just more you know chain lightnings or you know play with fires or something like that too like it could be something mi- minor or maybe you're actually supposed to be playing you know, your own copies of Elvish Reclaimer. Like, that seems like a, a creature that is not terribly difficult to become a three-power creature in your deck and costs one mana still, so maybe that's better than Goblin Guide, but... Yeah, Vuk's traded out the Goblin Guides for for Reclaimers. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's... And then he traded out the Bone Crusher Giants for something, too. I don't remember what. Okay. I actually think I like the thought of Bone Crusher, though. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a it's a two for one right, and it's being able to remove a creature kind of early. I think is is nice, and you know I think the body the four three body is actually kind of an issue for some people. So I'm not I'm not opposed to that card, that bit of it. It just feels like it, it has to be better, but like I I don't know. Definitely interesting. All right, um, some minor stuff I want to touch on just before we start wrapping up. Um, they actually did, I don't know if you saw this, but they actually are giving a all-access pass. Um, you have to pay for it, of course, but there is an all-access pass on Magical Online uh, from March 23rd to April 6th. Um, there's actually going to be some super qualifiers that week. Um, the token itself is 25 bucks, so if you pay another 25 bucks, it gets you into the super qualifier, um, which is kind of annoying. I thought it was going to be just like $25 for a super qualifier. I'm like, that's sweet. I'm like, nope, you need two tokens. So I'm like, ah, whatever. Uh but they do have a modern, uh, two modern super qualifiers, one Legacy, one Pioneer, and a uh, Neon Dynasty Limited super qualifier um, all throughout the week. Um, for us on the East Coast, I think our best option is the 
um, Pioneer one on Tuesday, March 29th. Um, and then the rest of them are just a really... I mean, speak for yourself. Well, sure. Like, I'm, I am I got things to do, so I can't really do it during the day. But, like, if you have off during the week, you know, they're, the Legacy one is at 7 a.m., which is 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, same thing with the modern one is 10 a.m. Eastern, so... Yeah, I'm probably going to take off for the Thursday and Friday ones. Okay. Um, I can't do Monday, Thursday, and Friday. That'd be a little bit too greedy. I mean, you could, but you could. yeah, yeah. I I think I have. I might have off during this time. I could be wrong. I don't know. I, it's a new school. I have no idea what what any days are off anymore. I think you're wrong. I'm probably wrong without actually looking at your calendar. Yeah, I think it's too early for that break. Yeah, I think. Well, it could be. I'm used to having like an Easter break. Yeah, I'm just basing it off of when my wife's Easter break is. Yeah, so I'm assuming mine's like two weeks later, or whatever. But yeah, um, they also changed some mock dates. Uh, I don't know if that matters to anybody, but it might. Um, they they move back. Sorry, move forward the. Um, yeah, sorry, move forward the showcase challenges. Um, move forward the last chance events. Um, the season one QPs expire a week early. Basically, everything got moved up one week. So, um, this is just, apparently this is them trying to change the digital and on in paper release schedules. It's kind of a, one of the victims. So, just keep that a heads up if you're trying to plan for your showcase challenges. Um, they are March twenty sixth to April third. So we got it like three weeks until that happens. Just a little over two weeks, I guess. Uh, also, I guess while I'm scrolling through this, uh, there also is a modern super qualifier on on Sunday, um, ten Eastern time for anybody interested. I had literally no clue. Yeah, well now you know. I'm here for you, man. Eh, I'm gonna be hanging out with my wife. Ah, okay. Uh, I might play with that, but once again, they I haven't been able to play with any. It, it's hard having a baby, man. I'm telling you, two two babies is is difficult to play magic with. Uh, also. Related, semi-related. Have you played the Vintage Cube at all? I know they, they added Dark Death. Obviously. <laughs> Have you gotten to actually do the land strategy yet? Uh, yeah, I did. And I like actually meant to tweet, tweet it out. But then um, I think my laptop like died while it was uh, <laughs> when I was trying to tweet it or something. I don't, I don't remember what happened. Yeah, I haven't really gotten a good version of the land deck. Like I've, I've done it, like I've made Merit Lage. But I, I definitely haven't gotten the good version. I've seen opponents with it and gotten, you know, a little bit jealous, but yeah, the cube has been really good. They added, um, uh, underworld breach too. And that card's Ooh. so fun. That's spicy. Yeah. That's uh, I think I could be wrong. I think I saw Caleb playing that with brain freeze. Yeah. I, I got to do that. I got to do the, the LED brain freeze, um, Underworld Breach, Thassa's Oracle back, which is like, I am so powerful. I like that. I also had like High Tide and Palancron and uh, Mana Flare <laughs> in that deck too. That's nice. Uh, that deck was sick. So you're just like making infinite mana one way or the other. Yeah, do what I want. <laughs> Make infinite mana. I'm a grown man. That's nice. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, uh, I probably need to start getting out of here so before my daughter starts screaming for her dinner. 
Um, how about we wrap up? Sounds good. Cool. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on various places online. And probably later this week, I'll have uh, a modern video recorded earlier today on uh, thelotuslookout.com. Ooh. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. If you're interested in finding the show at all, you can find us at Depth underscore Podcast. At the beginning of the episode, you hear a bunch of stuff about different ways to support us um, by looking at our content or um, finding us on uh, YouTube or anything like that. Um, all the links that you need there, um, including our Patreon and our PayPal, are all um, in a link tree on our Depth underscore Podcast Twitter account. All right. I guess I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye.